It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Welcome to Discover Your Spiritual Identity. Have you ever been a victim of identity theft? I have. A number of years ago, I was purchasing gas at a convenience store in North Carolina. I slipped my debit card into the pump and began to pump gas into my vehicle. And within just a few moments, I purchased a refrigerator in Kansas and paid for a haircut at a salon in California. Well, apparently, my identity was stolen, and somehow the information about my credit card was distributed to those places. I don't know how it all worked. All I know is that, thankfully, I called my bank, and they reversed those charges and somehow stopped that theft from taking place. Well, in a similar way, your spiritual identity is under attack. And whether it's the devil and all of his demons or your own lower nature or the world around you, all of those things are pitted against the spiritual revelation of who you are in Christ. And all of those influences, those negative and evil influences from the devil, from his demons, from the world, from the lower nature— they're all united together in one purpose, and that's to steal from you the revelation of who you are so that you can walk in this world in the identity that God has given you. And that's when you and I are powerful, when we walk in our God-given roles. Well, how does that theft take place? When you somehow are influenced to walk opposite to who you are. For instance, in Galatians chapter 6, you're referred to as the household of faith. How is that identity stolen? When you are somehow influenced to walk in unbelief and fear. Well, this podcast is all about our identity as a holy nation. How is that stolen from us? When somehow we are influenced to walk in unholiness in sin and iniquity in our lives. This is going to be a very transformational episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity because we're not just going to hear about what it is to be a holy nation. I pray that you will join me in recommitting to that role of being consecrated and dedicated to the things of God in our lives. Let's go to the verses in the Bible where this particular name is given to God's people. First, let's go to Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Well, actually, I'm going to back up a little bit to verse 3. It says, Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, that was Mount Sinai, and said, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. 
for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's the first time that that particular name is given to God's people in the Bible, right there at the base of Mount Sinai, that place where they received such a tremendous revelation, where the audible voice of God spoke out of the mountain that was consumed with holy fire, and God gave the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments that created a barrier between Israel and the world, between a state of walking in holiness and a world that was drenched in unholiness. God gave them moral parameters to live within so that they could be consecrated to God, dedicated to his purposes, and useful to him in this world. Now let's jump over into the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. The apostle says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the same title that rested upon the nation of Israel is now applied to the church in this new covenant era. We have inherited this status. In the Old Testament, the word holy is translated from the Hebrew word kadosh, which incidentally is also translated saint. In the New Testament, the word holy is translated from the Greek word hagios, which incidentally is also translated saint. So to be holy is to walk in saintliness. And the word saint, has a double meaning. It means someone who has been sanctified, and the word sanctified means cleansed from the defilement of sin and separated unto God for his holy use. So it has a double meaning. It means a cleansing that takes place where God washes you clean of your unholiness, but then he consecrates you to a divine purpose in your life. Now, there are other titles in the Word of God that contain the word holy, and I think we should see that we are also referred to as a holy people, a holy seed, a holy priesthood, a holy temple, and partakers of his holiness. What does the word holy really mean? It means to be set apart, separated from the world, and consecrated to God. It comes from a root that means whole or sound. Holiness is one of the essential attributes of God. It means, on the one hand, that God is free from all moral evil. And on the other hand, it means that God is the absolute of what is morally good. And God over and over said, be holy for I am holy. In other words, he's indicating that if we want true communion with him, if we want true fellowship with him, if we truly want to be used by him and represent him in this world, then we have to love what he loves and we have to hate what he hates. And we have to reflect his character and nature. It's not enough to just say a little prayer and ask Jesus to come into your heart, and then go on with your life. 
you have to walk the road of discipleship, which is all about consecrating yourself to God and walking in holiness. No wonder John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, said these words, My first priority is to be holy. My second priority is to be a scholar. And we could echo that very easily and should echo it because our first priority should be holiness. And then everything else follows. A scholarly understanding of God's word, well, certainly that would be wonderful. Claiming all the promises of God and seeing them fulfilled in our lives, that would be wonderful. Fulfilling some kind of ministerial role, that would be wonderful. But our first priority must be to be holy. So I agree with John Wesley in that statement. And again, I want to emphasize that holiness is associated with the Godhead, so much so that the Father is referred to as Holy Father. The Spirit of God is referred to as the Holy Spirit. And the Son of God is referred to as the Holy One of Israel. And in the incarnation, he was called the Holy Child. So holiness is attributed to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And again, I want to emphasize Leviticus 11.45, God said, You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 says, As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. That means holy speech, holy actions, holy attitudes. Everything in your life must be saturated with the influence of the holy God of heaven. I love Isaiah 57, verse 15. Listen to this. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and the holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Well, there's two aspects to that verse that really capture my attention. First of all, God's name is holy. That could mean that his name Yahweh or in the New Testament, Yeshua is holy and should be uttered with the utmost reverence. Or it could mean that the very word holy is one of the names that rests upon him. Thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. So when you cry, holy are you, Lord, that could be one of the names attributed to him. Praise God for that. And, and then the next part says, I dwell in the high and holy place. That's talking about the third heaven, the dwelling place of God. The only reason it's called a holy place is because God inhabits that place. If God wasn't there, it would just be another place. But because God is there, it becomes a holy place. And that's the same God who dwells in you. So your heart, your life, your temple, your body should be a holy place for God to dwell. And notice this in Isaiah 57, 15, 
when you are lifted to that holy place, which is a a place of connection with God, spiritual communion, where you become sensitive to heavenly things in your life. The Bible said we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Well, when you are in that holy place, God revives you, which means to quicken you from death to life. And that's what he does. He revives the spirit of the humble and revives the heart of the contrite ones. From all the death-dealing blows we receive in this world mentally and emotionally. Let's go to Romans chapter 1 verse 4. That verse reveals that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Wow, what a powerful statement that he was resurrected from the dead by the spirit of holiness. That's the only place in the entire word of God where the Holy Spirit is referred to with that title, the spirit of holiness. So the Holy Spirit was revealed as the spirit of holiness more in the act of resurrecting Jesus from the dead than any other manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, or at least that's the way I logically work out the revelation of this verse. Why would that be associated with the resurrection? Because the only reason Jesus died is because he became sin for us. He absorbed all the sin of the entire human race into his body. He bare our sins in his body on the tree and therefore succumbed to death because the end of sin is death. In the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die, God warned Adam and Eve. They died first spiritually and began dying physically. But death was the outcome of sin. So when Jesus became sin for us, death was inevitable. But thank God he was quickened from that contaminated state and he was restored to absolute holiness and he was restored to life simultaneously. And that same spirit of holiness has resurrected us from death to life, because all of us were dead in our trespasses and sins. But the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead came into us when we welcomed the Lord Jesus Christ into our hearts, and a great transformation took place. That spiritual and miraculous process is revealed in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. And it talks about an ongoing commitment to our spiritual identity as a holy people and a holy nation. Listen to these three verses very carefully. Paul encouraged the Ephesian church and us that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and then put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So in essence, Paul is saying, walk in your new identity. Don't identify with the fallen nature that is corrupt and full of deceitful lust. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
In other words, learn to think differently. Think how God thinks. See things from a different perspective. See how evil the world's ways really are and withdraw yourself, extract yourself from the influence of that evil and then put on the new man. In other words, walk in this new creation part of you, the part of you that has been created in the image of God. Verse 24 of Ephesians 4 says, put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. When you were born again and you were given a new spirit, that new spirit is infused with the very righteousness and holiness of God. So holiness is a gift to begin with. It's a gift of the indwelling presence of a holy God who chooses to come into your heart in response to your request. And then he changes you and makes you holy internally. So it should be your nature. I don't say it's your second nature. It should be your first nature to walk in holiness. And that's why it should not be a thing unthinkable to respond to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, and also the first verse of the next chapter. Let me read those four verses to you right now. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Then 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. What are the promises that hinge on our consecration this way? The promise to walk in that kind of personal and intimate relationship with an almighty and holy God. He said, if you will come out and be separate, if you'll separate yourself from an unclean world and unclean attitudes and an unclean way of living, then I won't just be a distant God. And of course, I'm interpreting his statement He says, I won't just be an austere and holy creator. I will be a father to you, and you'll be my offspring. You'll be my sons. You'll be my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, we'll be close. We'll be intimate. We'll be connected in a loving relationship. I don't believe there's enough preaching on holiness because the Bible says that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Did you hear what I said? That's not just talking about seeing God in an ultimate state, seeing him face to face in a heavenly realm. I believe that refers to seeing God move in our lives right now, seeing evidence of his supernatural influence, seeing demonstrations of answers to prayer. If we want to see God, we must walk in holiness. Praise God that that's an opportunity that we can avail ourselves of. Let me show you the two times when the phrase holy ground is used in scripture. 
Both are very powerful. Both are a revelation to us today. The first time is Exodus chapter 3, verse 5. God appears to Moses in a burning bush. Can you imagine the intensity of that experience where Moses turns around and sees this supernatural fire enveloping a bush, and yet the bush is not burning up? And then God's audible voice speaks to him out of the bush and says, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the ground where you stand is holy ground. Holy ground. And in the Hebrew, that's Kodesh Adamah, holy ground. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. That's when God told him to take the sandals off his feet. Well, why was that necessary? And what did that mean? That was a sign of reverence, a sign of humility, a sign that he was changing his identity. He was no longer going to walk in the role of a shepherd. He was going to walk in the role of a prophet, a deliverer, and a judge of Israel. So taking the shoes from off your feet is a symbol of changing into a new person, into a new role, into a new identity. And where does that happen? Holy ground. Holy ground is a point in your life where God visits you and manifests himself in such a way that it transforms you radically and supernaturally. The next time you find this referred to in Scripture is with Joshua, the one who took the leadership role in Israel after Moses left. Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us? or for our adversaries? And he responded, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, as the captain of the Lord's hosts. Another version says, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And then the commander of the Lord's army, the captain of the Lord's hosts, said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Once again, it was a sign of reverence. It was a sign of humility. It was a sign of submission to the command of God. But most importantly, it was a sign of a changing of Joshua's identity. No longer was he just Moses' servant, a role that he filled for 40 years. Now, he emerged as a prophet with a mantle of authority where tremendous miraculous manifestations took place through his leadership ability in bringing the children of Israel into their inheritance in the promised land. I'm praying that this podcast will be holy ground for you. Just like it was a point of transformation and change for Moses and for Joshua, where they emerged in the fullness of their calling. 
I pray that you will consecrate yourself. And in a sense, a spiritual sense, a symbolic sense, take the shoes from off your feet. Take your old identity and set it aside and say, God, I want the fullness of what I'm called to be, to manifest in my life. And may you appear to me. May you come to me. May you manifest yourself in my life like a burning bush, a revelation of what my purpose is. Come as the captain of the Lord's host, the God of an army of angels that are ready to surround me and usher me into the battlefield where I can conquer the enemy opposition in this world, where I can be one of those who bring satanic powers under my control, where the God of peace bruises Satan under my feet. And I advance the kingdom of God in a significant way. Really, that's what you're praying. If you ask for holy ground to come into your life, it's a point of revelation, a point of insight, a point of manifestation where God releases your giftings, your callings, and throws you out on the battlefield to advance his kingdom. May that happen. In fact, let's pray right now. Father, first of all, I pray that I, along with all of those listening to me, will fulfill this calling to be a holy people, part of a holy nation, a holy seed that we will put off the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, that we will be transformed and renewed in our minds, in our ways of thinking concerning God, concerning who we are and concerning what our role is in this world. And then we put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and holiness, true righteousness and true holiness, being separated from the world. We present our bodies a living sacrifice. We come out of the world to be a separate people unto you. We want to know you as our father, a holy father. And we want to be your sons and daughters a holy offspring that perform your works in this world without hindrance, not being hindered by unholiness in our lives. For God has not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. And he's also given us his Holy Spirit that we might walk in this new identity. Help us to do so, and we will become world changers and history makers. Not only that, we lift holy hands to you without wrath and without doubt. In other words, Lord, we exile all anger and unbelief from our hearts. We're not angry and resentful and unforgiving toward people. We're not angry at you for things that have not happened the way we thought or hoped they would happen. We exile anger and we exile unbelief. We refuse to doubt who you are and we refuse to doubt what you've called us to be. We lift holy hands without wrath and without doubt and we cry, holy, 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 because Lord, you are Holy Father, Holy Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, the holy God of heaven, and we surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. 
You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be. 